Welcome to our special class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning today a very, very beautiful and special Hasidic discourse based on the verse, Bossi Lagani Achoisi Kala, where Hashem says, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. But just to give a short introduction about this Hasidic discourse, the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe's teacher, the Rebbe's Rebbe, said this Hasidic discourse, and it was actually 20 chapters. The Rebbe prepared it for print. Part of it was printed before Yud Shvat when the Rebbe passed away, the previous Rebbe, and part was printed afterwards. It's a total of 20 chapters. And this was in the year Tavshin Yud, we know when the previous Rebbe passed away, 71 years ago. 70 years ago on Yud Shvat, when the Rebbe took on leadership, the way he took on the leadership was by the Chassidic, by the Fabrengen, he would say the Chassidic discourse, and he said it based on the Chassidic discourse of his father, Lobasi Lagani, and he went into an in-depth discussion and insight into the first chapter of the Bossi Lagani of his father-in-law. The second year, the Rebbe did the same thing. Every single year for 20 years. After the 20 years were up, so the Rebbe again started the process of explaining an in-depth analysis of that original Hasidic discourse. So, Tavshin Chaf Aleph, which would be 11 years into the Hasidic leadership of the Rebbe, the Rebbe gave an in-depth analysis to the 11th chapter of this Hasidic discourse. 20 years after that, in Tavshin Mem Aleph, the Rebbe gave another in-depth discourse into that Hasidic uh, chapter, the 11th chapter. And unfortunately, since then, Samach Aleph, and uh, now we don't have any new revealed teachings of the Rebbe. So we, it's custom to we, we, study, we study again the teaching that the Rebbe taught, in, A, in the year of Tavshin Chafalaf, which is 11 years into his leadership, and 20 years later, which is 31 years into his leadership, the year of Tavshin Mamalaf. Just to point out that in the year Tavshin Chafalaf, which is 11 years later, where the Rebbe discussed in depth the 11th chapter. So there was actually three different Hasidic discourses the Rebbe said. He said one Friday night, that year Yitzhak was in Shabbat. So he said one Friday night, right before Kabbalah Shabbat. He said one on Shabbos, but if I bring in Parshat B'Shalach. And then he also said another one on Saturday night. So you have three of that year, and then you have one in the year Tavshim Amalev. We're going to be learning the Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe said, the first Hasidic discourse the Rebbe said, in Tavshin Chavalef, the first Habrengim Friday night. Just to give a little overview, it'll be easier to, uh, to uh, follow. So what the Rebbe does in the first chapter is he gives a general overview of the ideas discussed in, in the previous Rebbe's Hasidic discourse, the first 10 chapters, and then he goes now in-depth discussion of the 11th chapter. So we'll do the uh, we'll, we'll start learning the Hasidic discourse, and right before we go into the in-depth discussion of the Rebbe in the eleventh chapter, we'll give again another introduction into that. So again, the Hasidic discourse is based on the verse where um, King Solomon says, "Bossi lagani kala," that Hashem is saying, "I came to my garden, my sister, my bride." If you want to look it up, you can look it up. It's in Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, chapter five, verse number one. So the Medrash, right away on this verse says, if you read the verse, what is Hashem saying? Basi Lagani, I came to my garden. It should say Basi Lagani, I came to the garden. What's it mean Lagani, my garden? So the Medrash says, the reason why it says Lagani, it's referring to Lagani Lignuni, my garden. What does it mean my garden? Because there was a place that I was present 
fully present at one point, because we know when Hashem created the world, Hashem created the world and He, the Shechina, the, the, the presence of Hashem was felt in this world in a very, very strong way. But what happened was, unfortunately, through the fact that people sinned, they didn't necessarily do what Hashem wanted, so Hashem felt uncomfortable, so to speak. And the Shekhinah started to ascend out of this world in the terms of Kabbalah, Melmata, from down in the physical world, Melmaila, to go on high. Until it went up to the seventh heaven. What happened afterwards? The Shekhinah's in the seventh heaven. God's not felt in down in this world. But then what happened was, as the, as the Medrash says, there were seven righteous people, starting with Abraham, Every one of them started to proclaim God in this world, started to recognize God in this world. And as Hashem became more revealed in the world by the tzaddikim in this world, so Hashem became more revealed. And this started and it went until Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu we know is the seventh. And Jeremy points out, we know that there's something, there's something special about the seventh. And Moshe Rabbeinu caused that the Shekhinah should come down literally Ba'aretz in the physical world. And that's why the Medrash says, Bossi Lagani, I came to my garden. Because originally when I created the world, I was here. It was my garden. I was all over the place. But unfortunately, I left because of the sins. And now, because of all the tzaddikim and all the righteous people um, praying and studying Torah and doing mitzvahs, making God revealed, I am back in this world. So seemingly, everything's great. But the Rebbe says, but what happened was, we all know that unfortunately, that with the Jewish people made the golden calf. Now what happens once the Jewish people made the golden calf? Guess what? The Shekhinah leaves again. The Hashem is not welcome. The Hashem's presence is not wanted. So the Shekhinah leaves. But Hashem really loves us and He doesn't want us to be without Him. So therefore Hashem gave us a commandment in the Torah. And what does it say in the commandment in the Torah? That says, the Asuli Migdosh. You should make to me a Migdosh, a holy place. And Veshachanti Besoicham and I will dwell um, within them. So the question is asked, it says, the Ashley Migdash, you make to me a holy place, which is referring to the Migdash. So it says, I will dwell in the, 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 the specific Migdash. Why did it say Besoicham in a plural language? And the answer is because Besoicham is referring to each and every one of us. Every single human being in this world could make a Migdash for Hashem. Every one of us have the power and the ability to make Hashem's presence felt in this world. So by, and by doing that, we make a place that the Shekhinah should be able to rest in this world. And as the expression is, V'shachanti, Hashem says, I will dwell into each and every one of us. So it has to start with each individual. Each individual making God, God's presence felt in this world. Once we do our internal work, our personal work, then Hashem is felt we're in the Mishkan. And then obviously from there into the whole world. It doesn't start with the Mishkan, end up in us. It starts with us. We each do our avoider, our spiritual work. Then the Shekhinah comes down into our lives, then into the Mishkan, and then into the world. But specifically, what is our avoider? What do we need to do to make Hashem felt in our world? So we have to look the way Hashem instructed it to be done into the, in the Mishkan. What was the spiritual work in the Mishkan? So we know in the Mishkan, they, used, they made um, Kroshim. They had beams. 
and the Rebbe, uh, and again, this is just an overview of the first nine, uh, ten chapters. So explains over there, what's the idea of the beams? The beams is to take, the beam is, is, is a keresh, which is the same letters as Sheker falsehood. By transforming the falsehood, what falsehood? The falsehood and the silliness of the opposite of holiness. And as it's called Lu'umazet, the other side of holiness, and to making it into a, a, a keresh of the Mishkan, that it shouldn't be, God forbid, a world that what, what's prevalent is the, the opposite of holiness, but on the contrary, holiness should be the reality in this world. And that's in terms of the, ball, the, the walls of the Mishkan, made out of Krashim. We have to take the falsehood and bring it into the Emes, Emes Hashem Li'oilom. That's one avoid in the Mishkan, the, which applies to us to, to make sure Hashem is a reality in our lives. What was the other avoid in the Mishkan? By bringing the sacrifice. What's the whole idea of bringing the sacrifices in the, in, in the base of Mikdash? They would bring a physical animal and you would stand by when you brought the animal and you have to, you have to think to yourself, really, Hashem, it should be done to me. But Hashem is allowing the animal to be consumed to Hashem. But just like the animal is consumed to Hashem and become close to Hashem, we want to become closer to Hashem. And this is our spiritual work. What's our spiritual work? That we have to stay away from the falsehood of the physical world and embrace a life of holiness. And we have to bring our animal soul that wants animalistic things, selfish things, and bring our animal soul to the Beis Hamikdash, which is coming closer to Hashem. And coming closer to Hashem by doing the famous term, what it says in, 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 um, in the Zohar, to make a dir Yisborech, to make a dwelling for a place for Hashem in this world. And by making a dwelling place for Hashem in this world, we will fulfill Hashem's dream. Because we know Hashem had a dream. What was Hashem's dream? It's explained at length in Tanya. Nisalva Kadesh Baruchu Liyo Yisloyiz Baruch Dear B'Daktonim Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place down in this world. And by us doing our spiritual avoida, which means transforming the world from a false place. It's not about materialism and physicality. It's all about really Hashem. And coming closer to Hashem, we will make this world a place which is a dear Eloyiz Baruch B'Daktonim. Now, how do we do this? How do we do this? So the Friedrich Rebbe explains in the mind when he says, every one of us have to enter and to be part of the famous Tzivay Hashem. We have to become soldiers in the army of Hashem, spiritual soldiers. And the, uh, uh, the previous Rebbe explains there's three different insights and what does it mean a soldier, Tzavo. Tzava is the Hebrew word for a soldier, but Tzava has actually three different interpretations. One is where it says in Job, there's a verse in Job, it says, it says, and over there Tzava doesn't mean a soldier, it actually means time. That means we have to bring, bring godliness into our time, our day-to-day, our day-to-day life. That's one idea of Tzava. The other idea of Tzava, Tzava comes from the word of Tzivyoin, which means it's willing, it's beautiful, um, or in another term, it's called iskalus. When you when you weave together multiple ideas, multiple thoughts, multiple different ways of thinking, meaning to say, as we all know, that we're all unique and everyone has their own mindset. When we all come together in unity, tzava. 
we become unified, that is how we can create, become part of the army of Hashem. And the third insight is as a soldier. So again, to recap, what is we have to become soldiers. What does it mean a soldier? One is time, which means bring godliness into the time of the world. The other one is unity. And the third one is to become a soldier. Now, by doing these three types of levels of tzava, and there, you need to do all three, time, unity, a soldier, we fulfill Hashem's dream of making dear betachtoinim a dwelling place for Hashem down in this world. Now, up until now, this was explained at length in the previous service of this course, in the first 10 chapters. Over here in the 11th chapter, which is the chapter of this year, the Rebbe explains, and again, it's going back to Tashan Chafal 60 years ago, the Rebbe explains the main theme that he's going to explain in this course, the idea that we have to become tzava, not time, that was explained already before at length, and uh, and not, not unity, which was explained, but most importantly, the idea we have to become soldiers. Which that is, the Rebbe says, that's really the main avoida. That's our main spiritual work, to become soldiers. soldiers. Why? Because again, you need all three. But the fact is, the Rebbe explains, the idea of tzava, which is referring to time, that's like a condition in the work. The work has to be take place in time. But that's not the work itself. In other words, when you learn Torah, and you do a mitzvah, sure, you have to do it, at the right time, in the in in the concept of time, in a specific place, in the nature of the world, but that is and and, and the Rebbe says there's many many stories of the Rebbeim how they they bring down godliness into a specific time and place. But again, it's that's a that's a preparation for the avoda. The same thing also the idea that tzava is unity, that is not the work itself. In other words, that's the preparation for the work, because the fact is. We need to be unified, and as we say, for example, every single morning in the prayers, what do we say every single morning before we start davening? We say, we, we accept upon ourselves the mitzvah, Why do we say it in the beginning? Because that's a foundation, and that's the beginning of our avoida. Because we all know, like the author explains in Tanya, that there's many different types of people. There's the intellectual people, there's the simple people, there's the people that meditate more, more action-oriented. So we have to all be unified, because the fact is everyone brings something else to the table. But that is, again, that's only an introduction to the work. What is the work? So what is the work? The work is two words. I'll say it in Hebrew, and I'll translate it. It's called Kabbalah Soil. The spiritual work is accepting. The hardest thing for a human being, especially ones that God gifted with a mind and a heart and a certain nature, we all have a certain nature that we're born with, to accept doing what Hashem wants, to accept doing the right thing, that is the hardest thing to do. Why? Because our mind plays tricks with us, our heart trait plays tricks with us, our natural instincts plays tricks with us, but the avoida is, and this is the key thing, that our avoida is, we want to be part of Tzivah Hashem. What's our avoida? What's our spiritual work? Willing to accept. And once you're willing to accept, life is very easy. And life is actually great. But we have to be willing to accept. It's an avoida. And the problem is the world tells you not to accept. But acceptance, that's the job of a soldier. Just to accept. And that is the main term of tzava, which is a chayil, a soldier. A soldier accepts. Whatever you tell him to do, he's ready to do it. And this idea 
of acceptance, Kabbalah soil, a soldier accepting, that is the main point of the 11th chapter, and that's what we're going to be speaking about today in depth, and that is the main spiritual work of the Jewish people, which are called Tzivois Hashem, that's our name in the Torah. And we're talking about Sivas Hashem, again, we're talking today about the specific translation and insight, um, a meaning of Tzava, of a soldier, the one that's willing to accept Hashem. And that is the main idea we're going to be talking about today, how we can become these real soldiers of Hashem and making this world a great place for Hashem. <clears throat> okay, so... We already know today's today's course, today's uh, class. It's going to be about being a soldier, about accepting. So, Rebbe explains something very, very powerful, and he says like this. This idea that we say that the Jewish people are a tzavah, we're a soldier, and we're called in the Torah, tzivah Hashem, the soldier of Hashem. Where do we get that energy from? So the Rebbe says, we get the energy to be a soldier because we know Hashem has seven names. We're going to go into a whole Kabbalistic insight of names. It's very powerful and very deep. So relax and enjoy this powerful journey. So Hashem has seven names. One of the names of Hashem is called Sava. That's one of the names of Hashem. And the name Sava of Hashem is actually a holy name because we know there are seven names of Hashem that these names, if it's written on a paper, you can't tear up the paper. It's holy names. It penetrates the whole paper. One of those seven names is the name Tzavah. In other words, why is this important? Because since we are Tzivah Hashem, we are soldiers, we're accepting the Kabbalah soil, where do we have the strength? Where are we drawing the strength from to be able to accept? I mean, it's hard. How do we accept? Because one of Hashem's names is Tzavah, and the ability to accept comes from that name of Tzava, that gives us the power and the ability to accept. As Jebus says, that everything, everything that, we, that we do and we have, everything has a spiritual higher source above. And Rebbe uses the example that the author writes in Tanya, and he says, Everything has a cause and effect. So if we have the power to be a soldier, it's because on high there's a level of tzava, and because on, on high there's a level of tzava, therefore we're able to be foot soldiers here down here in this world. <clears throat> Not only that, Rebbe takes it a step further. So the fact that we can be a soldier, that means we're willing to accept a real soldier, what does it have to do with the name Tzava, the way it's on high? Hashem's name, which you cannot erase. And Rebbe says that this name that you cannot erase, not only is it a name, it's actually connected to Atzmus. Atzmus means the essence of Hashem. And that's the whole idea of Tzava, that we're at Tzava because we get our strength from Tzava, one of the names of Hashem. But even deeper, it's not only a name of Hashem, it's actually coming from the source of Hashem Himself. And the, um, the, the previous Rebbe explains as follows. This name of Tzava, where do we find the name Tzava? So we actually don't find it in the Torah. We don't find it in the five books of Moses. Where do we find it? We find it in the prophets. Why? Because in the Torah itself, there's no name Tzava. 
The only name of that we find, if you do a Google search, and you can search the Bible in the five books of Moses, you're going to find Sava where it's part of Tzivois Hashem, but that's not referring to Hashem, it's referring to the Jewish people. Tzivois Hashem, we are the soldiers in Hashem's army. In other words, so even though the name Tzivois Hashem is connected to Tzava, but where do we find the name Tzava? It's only revealed... Obviously, it's one of Hashem's name. It existed all along. But when is it revealed? It's revealed in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the Torah, not in the five books of Moses, but it's specifically revealed only in the prophets. But that doesn't mean that until then there was no, we, we weren't soldiers in Hashem's army. Sure, we were soldiers in Hashem's army. Because the fact is, in the Torah, it says, in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, we were called Sivas Hashem. And especially in the time of Matan Torah, we called Sivas Hashem. Because we know when, when, when Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people, the world was complete, just like when Hashem created the world. And it's even much greater than after, because afterwards they sinned. So it was, it was on a tremendous level. But nevertheless, even though we're called Tzivah Hashem, you can say, wow, so we're literally Hashem. Well, the answer is no, we're called Tzivah Hashem. No, that's not Tzavah, we're not called Tzavah, that's, that's reserved for Hashem Himself. But Tzivah Hashem, we're a soldier that's um, submitted and committed to Hashem. So it's Tzivois Hashem. In the prophets, it says Tzava, referring to Hashem himself. We are called Tzava, a soldier that's submissive to Hashem himself. Which is one of the names, the powerful names of Hashem, which is not erased. Now, <clears throat> we're going to go down a step further. So again, just to recap. So the, our avoider in this world is to do what? To be a soldier. Where do we have the strength to be the soldier, to be a Tzivah Hashem, from the name Tzvois, Tzavah, from Hashem is called Tzavah, which is actually rooted in the essence of Hashem. Where is the name actually revealed? It's not revealed till the prophets. So now we're going to go into, explain on a Kabbalistic level, these seven names of Hashem, <coughs> powerful names of Hashem. So the Rebbe brings that uh, the general idea of these seven names and he brings from the Medrash. The Medrash says like this. Hashem says, Shmi atam avakish leida, you want to know my name? And the Hashem responds, based on the Medrash. nikra. I am called, you want to know my name, based on my actions, pending on what I'm doing. And knows it's not like, depending on what, my, on what I'm doing, that's my name. And he says, for example, when I'm fighting against the Rishoyim, when I'm fighting against wicked people, people obviously that are not doing what Hashem wants. So Hashem says, you know what I'm called then? I'm Aninikram called Svois. So the Medrash says, the name Svois that Hashem has is a name that Hashem uses when he's fighting, fighting, waging war against wicked people. Now, now the Rebbe is going to take this in a step further. What does Hashem say? Lefim Maisai Aninikram. According to my actions, and like we said, what's the action that when he, Hashem is called Svois? When he's fighting, when he's waging war against what? Against wicked people. But then it says, Ani, I, Nikra, Kolt. So says, one second, it's two opposites. The first half says, Lafim, Maisai, which means according to my action. So what does that mean? Is that who I am? No, it's a name that's describing my actions. If I'm doing something else, I have another name. Chesed, Yudkevavkei, Gvura, Aleph Lamed, etc. So based on my action, that's what I'm called. That's not who I am. 
generally speaking, when you say Hashem is called a name based on action, so that is referring to that we know that the names of Hashem are connected to the Svirot. Again, so we have the names that are connected to the actions, and the names are also connected what? To the Svirot, which is the ten Svirot. And there it brings what, the, what it says in the uh, holy book of Shari Oira, and it says like this, the name Tzva'ois, which we said before Hashem uses when He's fighting the wicked people, so we know that the names of Hashem, the seven names, are connected to one of the Sphiros. So which Sphira is the name Sphiros connected to? So it says in the, in the Sefer Shari Oira that the, the name Sphiros is connected to the Sphira of Netzach and Hoyt. So again, so we see clearly that Sphiros is connected to the idea of fighting the Rishoyim, people that aren't listening to Hashem, and also specifically to the sphere of Netzach and Hoyt. So that's on one hand, that what Hashem is called based on an action and connected to a specific, a specific sphere. But on the other hand, what does Hashem say? It's a, I'm called that. Ani, the essence of Hashem, Nikra. It's all I'm only called that. In other words, <clears throat> what does that mean? Hashem, the essence of Hashem, could be called Svois, Kael, Yudkei, Vavkei, etc. So what is Hashem? Is Hashem the name? Is Hashem a certain Svira? So you see Hashem is much deeper than this, this, this an action, a specific action. In other words, on one hand it's saying that Hashem is related to a specific action, like for example, Svois, where he's fighting the wicked people in Netzach But on the other hand, you're saying that Ani has all these titles. So really Hashem is much deeper than a title or a specific sphere. So over here, and let me just pause for a second with another important instruction I should have said in the beginning. One of the beautiful things about the, the Hasidic discourses of uh, Yud Shvat is Rebbe weaves in beautifully every single one of the Chabad Rebbeim, but and he also starts with the with the general Hasidic leaders, the Balshantov and the Magid. So you'll see in the Hasidic discourse, and I'll point it out to you, the, the Rebbe brings in first the Balshantov, which is the first Hasidic leader. He brings in the Magid of Mizrich, then he brings in the Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe Rishab. Obviously, the whole discourse is based on the Friedrich Rebbe, and obviously the Rebbe is giving his powerful insights. So literally, when you learn this mind, where you're connecting with all the Chabad Rebbeim and the Balshantov and the Magid. So on this subject now, we're talking about Hashem is really much deeper than calling him a certain sphera, a certain action. So he brings now, the first one, he brings from the Balshemtov. And he brings from the Balshemtov, the Balshemtov explains that when we refer to the seven names of Hashem, that we're not referring to, like we said, mentioned before, the spheroids itself, but we're referring to the light that's in the spheroids. And there's a, a sphera, whether it's Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Vort, Feres, Netzachot, Yisrael, Magos, every one of the spheroids. So the sphere is technically a vessel for light. But then, what gives life force to the sphere to exist? So the sphere itself is fueled by light. So the Balshemta says. When we say the seven names are have a connection to the sphera, we don't mean the finite sphera as an as a the, the vessel of the sphera. We're referring to the light in the sphera. The light that gives power to the spheres. 
And the Baal Shem Tov brings an example and he says, we know what it says in Chazal, on the verse that says, Bechal Kareinu Elov. Anytime you call, anytime you call, you're calling what? You're calling to Hashem. So the, um, the, the, uh, the Baal Shem Tov says like this, Elov, Bechal Kareinu, when you're calling, Elov, you're calling to Hashem. What does it mean, Elov to Hashem and not what? So he says, Elov means you're calling Hashem, Veloi Limidoisov. Not to the midos, not to the attributes. In other words, so for example, and he, and he explains. Let's say you're praying. And in the prayers, throughout the prayers, you have Hashem's names, multiple names. All seven names are found throughout the prayers. So you can say that when you're saying, for example, you're saying Yudke Vavke, you're saying Elohim, uh, uh, whatever, whatever he's naming Hashem, one of the seven names Hashem, you're referring to a sphera. It's a love. It means you're referring to Hashem himself, not to a sphera. Now, the Baal says, even though we know there's a concept in the Zohar that says like this, and I'll, I'll say it in Hebrew and Aramaic and I'll translate it. It says, Ihu, referring to Hashem, Vechayehu, um, referring to the light, Vegarmeyu, and the vessel, it's all really one. Because Hashem, the light, and the vessel is really all one. It's really all Hashem. The different, different. The question is, how much is revealed? So if it's Hashem Himself, wow, there's no, there's no, there's no concealment. If it's the light, so it's Hashem the way He's c- c- uh, contracted down into a light, so it's not Himself that's revealed. In the vessel, it's already more of a concealment. So on one hand, you can say, what do you mean? It's all Hashem. So even if you're referring to a sphere, we're not talking to a sphere which is not Hashem. It's all Hashem. But nevertheless, but the Malshenta says, but it's if that's the case, you're, you're praying Hashem, you're praying to a certain sphere. That's not a love. Bechol kareinu, a love. You want to pray to Hashem, not to a sphere, not to a vessel, not even to, you, know, you want to pray to the light of Hashem. So therefore, based on this, the Malshenta says, when we say Hashem, referring to the sphere, it's not referring to the sphere itself. We're referring to the light which is in the sphere. In other words, the life force that gives life to the vessel of the sphere. And like the Balshanta explains and he says, because the fact is, in every vessel, you have the light that's in the vessel, but then you have the light that makes up the vessel. So to be clear, you have a vessel and you have light in the vessel. He's not referring to the light in the vessel. He's talking about the light that makes up the vessel. And he gives an example. What it says in the Zohar, what does it say in the Zohar? And I'll say it in Aramaic. When you're going to leave it, you're going to be left over like a body without, without a soul. In other words, that even after the light leaves, the vessel is still there. How can the vessel still be there? If you have a vessel and a light and the light leaves, how is the vessel still there? And the answer is because even though the light left within the vessel, the light of the vessel still remains. And what is the light of the vessel? So the Baal explains. That's referring to the seven names, which is referring to the light that gives life force to the vessel itself. Not the light that's in the vessel but the light of the vessel itself. So that is basically a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, that he's saying that when we're referring to the names of Hashem, what are we referring to? Again, to recap, it's the names of Hashem 
Besides the fact that it's according to the action Hashem is doing, and we said it's referring to a sphera, so the Balshanta makes it clear. What are we talking about? We're not talking about the sphera itself. We're talking, we're talking about the light that, cre- that creates and gives vitality to the sphere, not necessarily the light that's in the sphere. <clears throat> okay. But now we're going to take it a step further. And there explains like this. In reference to the names, again, the seven names of Hashem, most powerful names that you now let it erase, they're the holy names. So it says in Chazal as follows. Lo'i keshani nichtav ani nikra. Not the way that it's written, am I called? And it explains like this. When you write, how do you write down Hashem's name? So you write it down, Yud, Hey, Vav Hey. Yud Kei Vav Kei. We don't even say the hey, we say K, because you don't want to pronounce Hashem's name. So when you write it, it says Yud Hey Vav Hey. That's how it's written. Now, what happens when you call Hashem's name? How do you pronounce it? You don't say you. You don't say it. We don't. We, I can't even say it now because you're not supposed to say it. So what do we say? We say if you're praying, you say Aleph Dalad Nun Yud Adonai. That's how you say it. But you don't say God for Yud Kei Vav Kei. So, there, so the Rebbe asks the question: Why? What's the reason that we don't call it the way it's written? If it says Yud Hey Vav Hey, why don't we pronounce it out? And if there's a reason, so why do we, we, we write it one way, yud kei vav kei, and it's specifically called Adonai. You pronounce it differently. So again, this, I, I told you I'm going to remind you uh, as we, every time we hit the beautiful point. So before the, Sh- the Rebbe brought the Baal Shem Tov, which is the first Hasidic leader. Now the Rebbe is going to bring the Maggot of Mezrich, beautifully, brings in every one of the Rebbeim, including the Baal Shem Tov and the Maggot, to explain this beautiful ideas about the spheroids or the uh, different insights of this discourse so he brings in the Maggit again what's the question now why is Hashem written Yudke Vavke and said Adonai and he brings in the Maggit of Mezrich and he says like this the Maggit of Mezrich says as follows Shem Yudke Vavke is called I'll say it in Hebrew I'll translate it it's called Shem Hamafurish it's a very very explicit name of Hashem and to take it even a step further, or a step deeper, or a step higher, it's called Shema Etzem. It's a name which represents the essence of Hashem. What does that mean, the Rebbe explains? It's higher than all of creation. Why? Because the name creates everything. Yudke Vavke is what created everything. So if it created everything, it's higher than all of creation. So Yudke Vavke, again, to recap, the, 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 the Maggit explains, it's a, an explicit name of Hashem, it's the essence of Hashem, and it's higher of all creation. What is, what is that's the way it's written, Yudke Vavke. What is when you call something, what does it mean you call something, you say something? You're revealing it. You're revealing it, you're publicizing it. So the, so the Maggit Mr. says, how can you publicize, how can you call such a powerful name of Yudke Vavke? It's impossible, something that created everything, something which is even greater than all of creation, should be revealed in this world. If it created everything, if it's so powerful, how's it revealed? If it's revealed in this world, this world will explode. It's too powerful for the world to, to, to exist. So therefore, but we need some kind of revelation in this world. Guess what? It's not going to be Yudkei Vavke. You know what it's going to be? 
it's going to be Shema Adonai, one that we could reveal, a toned down power of, of the infinite part of Hashem. The level of Adonai is related to Malchus, the way Hashem is a king over the world. A king over the world means we know it's impossible to be a, um, to be a king without a world, without a nation. So Malchus is already connected to the world. Or for example, there's no, you can't be a master without any servants. So that's already the component of Hashem, the way Hashem is already relates to the world. And from this level, you can have a physical world. A world, a nation, servants, and so on and so forth. So, so what is that? So based, so based on this, the Magad Masjid explains very simple. I am not called on the level that I'm written. Why? And you cannot reveal, called means that you cannot reveal the level of Yudke Vavke. And if the only thing you can have is Adonai, which is the, the part that relates to the world. And in the part that relates to the world, there's seven different names that relate to the world. For example, there gives Shem Kale, Aleph Lamed is connected to the idea of Chesed. Shem Elohim is connected to the idea of Gvura judgment. And then he says, the Shem Tzvakais, which is important to our continuing of this discourse, Tzvakais is related to the idea of the sphere of Netzach and Hoyt. And the Rebbe continues on to explain what the Magad of Mizrach says, based on another Hasidic discourse, uh, based on another Hasidic teaching on the Magad of Mizrach. And he says like this, we know it says in, in the ethics of our fathers, Negad Shmo Avad Shmei. So there's a simple insight, but he's going to give you the Hasidic insight to, the, to this, to this um, Mishnah and Perki Avot. So he says like this, Negad Shmo. What does Negad Shmo mean? Negad comes from the word of Hamshacha, to draw down. So in order to draw down Negad Shmo, in order to draw down the name of Hashem into this world, which means you want to draw it down, you want to reveal the name of Hashem in this world. The only way to do that is Avad Shmo. You have to create Avad is coming from, a, from concealment. You have to lose it. You have to conceal Yudke Vavke. When you conceal Yudke Vavke, then you can reveal the, the name, the, the, you can draw down the name of Adonai into this world. And to take it a step further, the Rebbe says, it's possible to say that. What does it mean, Avad? Avad Shema, the name has to be, so to speak, lost. In other words, in order to make and reveal the, the godly light into this world, <clears throat> what you need to have first is Avad. Avad means you need to have it to be totally lost, which we all know that in, in reference to when Hashem created the world, there's different levels of tzimtzumim. There's different levels of contraction of light. The first level, the first tzimtzum, there's different levels of but The first tzimtzum, harishain, that's the only one where Hashem is masalik. Hashem totally um, put, put aside all, the created a, a real empty space. All, many, all the other tzimtzum afterwards is contraction. It's not, total, it's not total concealment. Over here, it's in a way of silik where Hashem has totally created 100% empty space. So based on this, the Magad says, that's the meaning of avad shema, which means that the, that the light has to be totally, totally taken away. And, um, and, and the, the, the Magad just continues to explain as follows. And so let's recap. So again, so the Magnus is just saying is that in order to create light into the world, you want in order to draw down the light, there has to be a concealment first. And he continues on to say as follows. What happens in this world when you disconnect from the physical part of the world? 
and you bring in spirituality into the world. And he gives an example. We know that the high priest in Yom Kippur, so what happens to the high priest in Yom Kippur, he would totally disconnect from the world. He would, he would um, totally, um, uh, he would fast and he was praying a whole day. So he was disconnecting from the physicality and connecting to the spirituality. And we, what is Yom Kippur called in the Torah? Shabbat Shabbaton. Which means that the Shabbos, the holiness of Shabbos is so powerful that it has a, an, an effect on all the days of the week. That it makes all the days of the week spiritual. And Yom Kippur is even much higher. Because you know, in Yom Kippur we all know we don't eat, we don't drink. And um, the Kayin Gadol would stay in the Holy of Holies. I mean, he was totally disconnected from the physical world. Then he was able to reach not only Adonai, he was able to reach a much higher level, Yudke Vavke, which is above the world. And therefore, there was something so powerful. We know in Yom Kippur is the only day that, Yom Kippur, that the Kayin Gadol would say literally the explicit name of Hashem, or as we called before, the essence name of Hashem, which is the Yudke Vavke, and he would say it the way it's written. So normally, Yud Kevavke, you can say because, whoa, how can it come into this world? It's, it's not going to work. And that's why the only thing we have in the world is Nagad Shema to draw down is only Adonai. Avad Shema, we have to totally disconnect from Yud Kevavke. But on, when, on the other hand, when you're able to totally disconnect from the physicality of the world, like for example, in Yom Kippur, and you're able to make it a spiritual experience, you can actually even say the name Yud Kevavke. Now, but, so that's that's from the Magad the Mizrich. The Rebbe asks a very simple question. One second, we have to understand. Hold on. Let's say on Yom Kippur, it's a very very holy day. You're totally disconnected from the physical world. You're fasting. You're not eating. You're not drinking. You're in the holy of holies, like the the, the Kohen Gadol is there, etc. Like the Magad explains, and therefore, based on that, you're able to say Yudke Vavke. Why? Because you're in such a spiritual strait. But the Rebbe asks one second. But spirituality is also a creation. You became spiritual, but spirituality is a creation. Yud Vavke is much higher than every creation. So how can you say Yud Vavke? Very nice, you're in a very high spiritual level, but you're still in the physical world. You're still in the created world. So the Rebbe explains something very, very powerful, and he says like this. That what really happens in Yom Kippur, it's not that you can bring godliness into the world. Because the world and godliness, we're talking in real extremes, Yudke Vavke, this world, as spiritual as you become, can connect. But what happens is, on Yom Kippur, you have the idea that you're able to do, and I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll translate it, you're able to create a chibur, a connection of two opposites. In other words, it doesn't make sense. Yudke Vavke, this world, and that's the magic of Yom Kippur. That you can create a connection of two opposites. Why? Very simple. The high priest had a soul and had a body. How does a soul and a body connect? That's the power. The power is that you, a soul and a body can coexist. Not only that, we know the Koyin Godel, the high priest, can't be a high priest if he's not married. You have to be married. Why? Because as high and spiritual he wants to get, he has to be anchored down to this world. On the other hand, when he did the avoid, he disconnected. He became connected to the Holy of Holies. The same thing also, for example, when it came to time. Yom Kippur is not a day that doesn't exist in the Jewish calendar. It's one of the 365 days of the calendar. So there's a calendar. It's one of the days. 
But nevertheless, we don't eat, we don't drink. So it's a day, like a regular day, but we make it a holy day. Same thing also in a place. Because we know that in the temple was known that space and non-space existed in the same place. A whole calculation with the ark. We're not going to answer the details, but the point is space and non-space existed in the same place. In other words, all aspects of Yom Kippur was two opposites. And the Rebbe says, this is the idea when Kabbalah is explained, there's something which is called Nimna HaNimnaot. That there's something that possible and impossible can exist in the same place that's only from the infinite part of Hashem. Where does that come from? That only comes from Yudke Vavke. What name? The name, the essence name of Hashem. So the Rebbe is explaining is that the Yudke Vavke has the power that it create opposites. Yes and no is the same thing. Space and no space. Time and no time. That's the power. And based on this, the Rebbe says, and again, as I tell, I'll remind you each time, now the Rebbe is going to introduce the next Hasidic leader. Now he's going to start with the Chabad leaders. We, did, we mentioned the Baal Shem Tov, about davening to Hashem himself. The Magid, which is referring to the light in the spheroids. And now he's going to go into the Alter Rebbe. And he says, this is what the Alter Rebbe says, in reference to, again, we're still talking about the idea of the powerful idea of names. That the Alter Rebbe says, when we say names connected to the spheroids, we're referring to what? Atmos, the essence of Hashem, the part of Hashem that's nimna hanim noise that can handle opposites. So the, what the author was saying is, shame is not referring to the light of the spheres like we explained before from, from the Baal Shem Tov. We're actually talking about what? The essence of Hashem. That yes and no is the same thing. We're a place where opposites exist. And he brings like this. He brings from the Pardis. The Pardis is one of the Kabbalim. And the Mekabalim, which the Pardis brings down, says that what is the Shemois? The Shemois are connected to Spheroys, but what part? He's referring to the light that's in the vessel. The light that's in the vessel. The Balshemtov explains that it's the light of the vessel. And the altar of it says it goes on the essence of Hashem. So you see over here the three opinions. The three opinions, to recap. The Pardis, which represents the Kabbalim, say it's the light of the vessel. It's in the vessel. The Baal Shem Tov says it's referring to the light that, that creates the vessel. It's within the vessel. And the Alter says it's referring to what? The Atmos, the essence of Hashem. And that's the true idea when we say Elov, Bechol Kareinu Elov, and referring to Hashem and not to the Midois. We're referring to Atmos, the essence of Hashem, which is Nimne Hanim Nois, which means that um, the opposites can exist in the same place. Things that don't make sense. But that's the power of the infinite part of Hashem. We can understand it because we're finite. And as the Rebbe quotes, he says, Shem Shemayim Shogar Befikoil. Everyone has Hashem's name within him because Hashem is part of everything physical, spiritual, it's all part of Hashem. And the Rebbe says, this is actually the Chiddush. The novel idea, the revolutionary teaching of Chassidus Chabad. Why? Because the, 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 the teachings of, of the Pardis, which is the Kabbalah, is telling us, when he's referring, referring to the seven names of Hashem, what is it referring to? It's referring to the lights, the lights that are in the vessels. Torah's Chassidus HaKlal is a general teaching of Chassidus, which is the Baal Shem Toiv. They're saying is 
that when we say the Shemois, which is referring to not just the light that's in the vessel, but it's the light of the vessel of, of, of itself, which, as we know, the light of the vessel is higher than the light of the light itself. As, as for example, the, the quotes from the Zohar here, and he says that when we say e, the Ihu, referring to Hashem, which is in the vessel, Begarmeyu, when the vessel is much higher than Ihu Hashem, which is in the Chayehu, the light, the light of Hashem. Why? Because we know the Chol ha, the rule is that anything which is higher, when it goes down, it's much lower. So light looks like it's higher, but the fact is, the vessel, even though it doesn't look like the light, within it is a greater light. So that is the teachings of the Balshemtev comes along the Chiddush, the novel, revolutionary idea of the Altar Rebbe, and he says, that when we say Shemois, we're not referring to the light like the Kamebalim. We're not referring to the light of, of the vessel itself, like the, like the Baal Shem Tov. But we're referring to the light of Atzmas, the essence of Hashem, Nimna Hanem Nois, which opposites exist. And what, what, what this powerful light does, it connects between Hashem himself with with the vessel. And that's the powerful um, revolutionary of the Exodus. Then we say Shemois, whatever name you're praying to in, in davening, and when you pray, it's referring to Hashem himself that cre- has the power and does create opposites. And based on this, Jeremiah says, that's why it says, Based on my actions, I'm called. So what do you mean, what do you mean based on my actions, I'm called? So the Jeremiah explains like this. Even though all the names of Hashem, the seven names of Hashem, what are we referring to? We're referring to Svirot. So, in other words, so how are we saying it's going to Hashem Himself? And that explains very simple. When we pray Shachris, Mincha, Mairiv, or just a regular reading songs, anytime you're praying, we have one address. We are praying to Atmos. We are praying to the essence of Hashem. Because that is the true idea of Elov. Who am I praying to? I'm praying to Hashem, not to a uh, someone on the side. We pray direct, direct to Hashem. Like for example, the Rebbe brings Ladas Atinik Animispalal. I'm praying for the health of the child. I'm praying to Hashem Himself, and from Hashem Himself gets drawn down all the blessings to heal the sick, to bless the year. For anything we need, comes directly from Hashem. Now, that's where we pray to. But the way Hashem created the world is, it, the, the blessing doesn't come strictly from Hashem to us. It goes through the lights and the vessels of the spheroids. So, what, when he, so the, the, the Rebbe is explaining, when we say, doesn't mean that we're calling to the Maisim. We're calling directly to Hashem. We're praying to the essence of Hashem. Once we pray, Hashem hears our prayer, and He decides to give us blessings, so He sends down the blessings through the lights. Through the spheroids. But on the other hand, Ani Nikra, when we call, who, who is Hashem? That's the, the simplicity of the essence of Hashem. And the same thing also where it applies to all the names, the same thing also obviously applies to the name Tzvakais, the one we're referring to in this discourse. When we say Tzvakais, we're referring to the essence of Hashem. And therefore, when Hashem says, when I'm waging war with the wicked people, I am calling Tzvakais, what does that mean? Hashem himself is waging war with them. But the, the, the way it goes down into the world, it comes through the sphere of Netzach and Hoyt. So again, just to recap what we learned till now, because this is a, a very, very powerful um, uh, idea. So what the Rebbe is saying is like this. We 
want to be part of Tzivit Hashem. We want to be part of the army of Hashem, which means we're ready to accept. Where do we get the essence, where do we get the energy from? From Shem Tzvokais. And we went through a whole Hasidic insight. What does it mean, Tzvokais? It's referring to one of the names of Hashem, which is referring to what? One of, one of the way Hashem wages war and the way he won the sphere of Netzach. But the way they ever explained the three different levels of teachings when we pray to, when we, we pray to Hashem, it could be either to the light or to the vessel or to the essence of Hashem. The, the novel of the Chassidus Chabad is that it's referring to when we pray, we're praying directly to Hashem. Hashem chooses to send down the energy, the blessings through the spheroids. But the Chassidus teaching of Chabad is we praying only to Hashem. Hashem sends down the blessings through one of the channels of the spheroids. Now, that's in terms of the name Tzvokis. But let's get back to the point. What does it say when Hashem says Tzvokis? That Hashem is waging war with the Rishayim. And we said that has Hashem choose to send down His energy um, with the name Tzvokis, which is connected to the sphere of Netzach. So the Rebbe is now going to explain the connection between the sphere of Netzach and the war. So now the Rebbe is going to explain what's the connection between the sphere of Netzach and the idea of Milchama and war. So the Rebbe explains like this, that the idea, the myth, the idea of the sphere of Netzach, that we find unique, applies by a Godel, by a big person. What does that mean? And again, just, I want to give a disclaimer. We're not dealing with big versus better or worse. We're talking about the attribute of Netzach is found by a, a big person. What does that mean, a big person? In Hebrew, it's called a godel, an adult. An adult. A, a, by, by an adult, the midah of, mida of Netzach. We're talking about the attribute of Netzach. Obviously, every attribute can use for good and for bad. But the attribute of Netzach is specifically by, 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 by an adult. Why? Derb explains like this. When it comes to a, a small person, a young person, or as Derb calls it a katan, a small person, not everything is, is that important to him. Certain things, a kid will throw a temper tantrum on it. And certain things a kid doesn't care about. But when it comes to a godoil, an adult, you know, the attribute of Netzach, he has to win in everything. In everything. Doesn't give up on anything. And Rebbe says, someone that is a bigger Godel, someone that's a bigger person, and again, we're not talking about the quality of a, a quality person. We're talking about the fact that someone that's bigger, an adult. An adult is somebody that the attribute of Netzachin winning is very, very strong by the person. And Rebbe gives an example. What's the biggest person in the world? Not physically. Powerful is a king. A king is the most powerful person in the world. As we know, the Torah says, From his shoulder, in the back, back and his shoulder, which is not even his head yet, he's higher than every single person. So the Torah gives the description as a reference to a king, that the king, from his back, from his shoulder, he's higher than everybody. Now, so even though it's his shoulder, it's from the back, and it's for, and it's and it's um, it's it's external and it's lower than the head. Nevertheless, he's higher than everyone. But uh, so therefore, we're dealing with so we're picking someone that we can say, okay, the king is the biggest. What happens when it comes to a king? When it comes to a king, the attribute of Netzach 
Winning, succeeding, applies in everything. And the attribute of Netzach, succeeding, is strong. And there's no, there's nothing that we give up on. A king goes till the end. The king has to win. And now the Rebbe brings, and again, I mentioned I'm going to tell you every time we come to a, another new Hasidic uh, leader. So we did the Baal Shem Tov, we did the Magid with the Alter Rebbe, and now we're holding by the Mithal Rebbe. The second Chabad Rebbe, which is the fourth from the general, from all the Rebbeim. So the Mithal Rebbe says like this. The Mithal is going to explain this idea, and he says as follows. He says when it comes to waging war, there's two types of wars. There's one war, a strategic war. You, wa- you want to go amass wealth, you want to get captives. So there's a, you're going in for a, for a certain success. You want to be successful in a financial gain, material gain. That's one type of war. That's one war. Then you have another type of war. The other type of war is because you are right and you want to show you're right. You want to show you're powerful and you want everyone to fear you and, 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 and follow you. Two types of wars. One is for gain and one is you're right and everyone else is wrong. What's the difference? And, everybody, and the Mittler Rebbe explains as follows. We'll bring in the Mittler Rebbe. So everyone, the Rebbe, might be well represented in this discourse. The Rebbe explains like this. When, a, when, when, when you're going into wage war to create a gain, to amass wealth, to take captives, to take slaves, so it's, it's, it's a logical, thought-out war. I mean to say is everything is calculated. You have, to make a, you have to make a calculation how much you're going to gain, how much you're going to be successful, and depending on what the gain is, that's how much you're going to willing to invest in the war. So, for example, if the war is going to cost you, let's use this modern terms, a million dollars to fight the war, and you only get a half a million dollars worth of, 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 rewar- of reward, why would you do it? You're not going to do it. So there has to be a calculated reason why you're going to do it. Why? Because the whole thing is it's a calculated intellectual thing. And therefore, because it's a calculated thing, and let's say, for example, yeah, you're going to invest a million dollars in a war, and you're going to walk out with two million dollars worth of goods. Perfect. Now, it's a financial gain war. So the king, for example, doesn't have to get involved. He's not going to look sacrifice his life in it. It's a financial gain. If it makes sense, we do it. If not, not. It's a business war. That's one type of war. The middle ever explains. Then he explains like this. It's another type of war. There's a war that you're going in because you want to win. You want to show you're strong. You want to show you're the king. You want to show you're the ruler. Now, who is going to do something like this? Only a king that the attribute, the spirit, the, the spiritual attribute of the sphere of Nitzachain is strong by him. Because if he doesn't, if Nitzachain is weak, who cares to win? <laughs> a life is good. I want to be comfortable. But a king that Nitzachan is very strong, guess what? He is going to go wage war. Now, what happens, let's get into the mindset. Mithrober explains. You're dealing with a king, he wants to win. Is there a calculated reason why? No. Is there a calculated risk? No. So therefore, because it's about winning and showing who's boss and who has the power, he is going to give up all of his treasures, his treasures, treasures that perhaps, even if the war is going to cost him uh, the treasure houses that he, he has, or even that his parents invested, 
which have, and the Rebbe says in the Hasidic Discourse, powerful heirlooms of kings from before, and tremendous wealth, and beautiful wealth. And that's why, for example, these, these, these treasures are hidden, and they're concealed, um, that to- no one can see. What happens is, if he's making a big celebration, a bar mitzvah, not a bar mitzvah a king, but he's making a wedding, he's making a party, etc. So then he, what he does, what does he do? He doesn't take it out and spend it. He'll show it to you. You get a tour of the powerful, you know, beautiful, um, uh, gems and, uh, treasures, etc. You can see it. But he's not, he's not spending it. But when it comes to winning that war, that he wants to show or she wants to know that they're boss, and especially if the person that he's trying to show his boss rebelled against him, he'll he'll give it all up. He'll spend it all without any calculation because he wants to show, the king wants to show that he's boss. Why? And the Rebbe explains like this. The reason is, and it's very, very powerful and important to know this, because the Svira of Netzach, its source is the essence of your soul. The sphere of Netzach, again, it's in the source and the essence of your soul. So therefore, because, again, think about this. Why are you going to war? Because you want to win. Win comes from Netzach. Netzach is rooted in the essence of your soul. Now, therefore, since it's part of your essence of your soul, so therefore, not only is he willing to risk all his treasures, all his assets, He's actually willing to go in war himself and risk his own life. Why? Because, powerful point, pay attention. Why? Because since Netzach is in the essence, in the essence, the depth of a soul, his life is only external. So he's willing to give up his external life for his internal essence of a soul. Which is very, very powerful. And therefore, he'll, he'll, he will sacrifice his life, his revealed life. Which, to to stand up for Netzach, which is part of the essence of his soul. And so that's the analogy the Mithra used to show us how where Netzach is. It's the essence, the essence of the soul. So the same thing also the Mithra says, this is what we understand when it comes on a spiritual high. When we say Hashem Tzvokos, referring to Hashem, that Hashem is Tzvokos, we're turning to the sphere of Netzach, which is sources and the essence of Hashem. And therefore, because it's sourced so deep, they reveal it on high. And not only that, Hashem is willing to give up anything and everything so that he can be successful in the war against wicked people. Powerful. <clears throat> okay. So we're still into the powerful ideas of Shem Tzvokos. As you see again, the way the Mitzvah explained, Tzvokos is connected to Netzach, and Netzach is really connected to the essence of Hashem. Now, like we gave the example from the king that's out to wage war. So now there was going on to explain, and he says like this. We find in the, because uh, we mentioned that the Shem Tzvokos in the Torah, in the five books of Moses, it's called Tzvokos Hashem, the Jewish people are called Tzvokos Hashem. Where is Tzvokos in the Bible? So it's actually in the prophets. In the prophet Isaiah, it says like this. If you want, you can look it up. It's in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 14. So it says like this. Yeshua Yeshua says, no, not Isaiah. 
in Yehoshua, Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, verse 14. So Yeshua says like this. He turns and he says, Joshua says, are you from our side or are you from the enemy's side? So the, so the voice says back, and he says, no, no, no. I am Sar Tzva Hashem. I am the um, fighter of Hashem, referring to Hashem himself, Tzva. And he used the term Tzva. And he says, Atabasi, now I came. What do you mean, Atabasi, now you came? And when did he come before? Atabasi, I came now. That means in theory, I should have came before. And Chazal teaches as follows. And it says, and Rashi brings, other commentaries bring, and he says like this, that the truth, I came before. I came in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. But he was praying, and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't accept Tzava, the part of Hashem, which is called Tzava. And because Moshe didn't accept him to help, so therefore we don't find the name Torah Tzava. If Moshe would have accepted, it would have been the Torah as well. So where is it revealed first? In the prophet Yeshua, where it says, Shabbat, Shabbat, Sar, Tzava Hashem. Okay. Once it was revealed in the prophet Yeshua, so later on the prophets, it's also revealed as Havaya Tzvokos, Hashem Tzvokos, which is a lower level. Notice it's Tzvokos, Tzava Hashem Tzava, the name Tzava, and then later on there is Hashem Tzvokos, which is a lower level than Tzava Hashem. On the other hand, what is revealed in the Torah itself, Tzivaz Hashem. We are Tzivaz Hashem. Why? Because the ultimate goal is to be a Tzivaz Hashem. What does that mean, Tzivaz Hashem? That Tzavah shouldn't be on its own, but the Tzavah, the soldier, should be humbled and submissive and, um, and connected to Hashem himself. And that's why it doesn't say in the Torah, that's the word Tzavah. Because the Torah, it's not just, he, Moshe was busy. Because the Torah, it's all about that Sava should be humbled and dedicated to Hashem himself. Where is the beginning of the Avoidah? Where does the spiritual work start? It starts with, like it says in the prophets, Hashem Tzvokos. Later on, it's the name just Sava himself. And then the ultimate level is, what well, it's Hashem, with its Sava is dedicated and submissive totally to Hashem. So you see there's three levels. So now we're going to explain these three levels based on a new Chabad Rebbe teaching. In other words, we had the Balshemt of the Magid, we had the Alter Rebbe of the Mittler Rebbe, and now we're going into the Tzemach Tzedek. So the Tzemach Tzedek is going to explain these three levels. The levels of Hashem Tzvokos, the level of Tzava, and the level of Tzivaz Hashem. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains like this. The shame Hashem Tzvokos, Hashem Tzvokos, that's the way Hashem is fighting with the Rishayim, with the wicked people that aren't following what Hashem wants. What does it mean, Hashem Tzvokos? That means there is a dark side of life, and there's the opposition of God and godliness. However, Hashem fights, and Hashem helps us to fight. And because Hashem is fighting, Hashem Tzvokos, we're able to successful, and we're able to overcome the war. But what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the way there is an opposition in this world. What is that referring to? It's generally speaking that Tzema Tzedek explains, referring to the, the part of Hashem, the way Hashem has to, comes down into Bia, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, the three lower worlds. Through the Parsa which goes down, um, which, which creates a concealment and godliness. But nevertheless, even though godliness is concealed, 
but the, the light comes down from Hashem Tzvakos to combat the enemy uh, th- that exists in the world. Now, so this is the difference between what? Tzivos Hashem like it's in the Torah. La Hashem Because when it comes to Tzivos Hashem, uh, so what is, the, what is the subject? The main part is Hashem. The Tzava is humbled to Hashem. So the main thing is Yudke Vavke, which Yudke Vavke is referring to the level of Atzillus. And we know Atzillus is all about godliness. That's the part in the Torah. But, but on the other hand, the part where it's Hashem Tzvakais, it's referring to the way Tzvakais, Hashem comes down into the world of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Now, so therefore, the beginning of the avoid that Tzemach Tzedek said is Hashem Tzvakais, which means dealing with opposition in this physical world. Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. Then you come to the level just in the idea of Tzava Hashem and just the name Hashem which is basically you connecting Atzilus the infinite part of Hashem, the infinite, the highest world with the world of Bri Yitzir until we reach the highest level which is Tzivah Hashem which is in the days of Moish Rabbeinu Tzivah was in the times of Moish Rabbeinu with its Tzava the soldiers connected to Yudkei Vavkei which is the idea the level of the revelation of Atzilus and the Rebbe says, it's, this, is what, this is what he quotes in the Tzemach Tzedek. Now the Rebbe says, it's possible you can add and say that the difference between Hashem Tzvokos, the way it's in the prophets, and Sivas Hashem, the way it's in the Torah, it's, it would be possibly like the two types of war that exist, like we mentioned before, which is from the Mittler Rebbe, one is to gain captives, or for, just for the sake of winning war. In other words, like this. When you're dealing with Hashem Tzvokos, which means there's a world, there's opposition, and we cannot, we cannot overcome it, but we can transform it. So that's the, like the spiritual, just like there's a physical war to, to gain wealth. So the same thing also in the spiritual war, you, 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 you're trying to gain wealth, which basically is opposition, and you're trying to transform it. But what's the ultimate the ultimate is not just to, to transform. The ultimate is to get rid of the uh, enemy. The ultimate is to get rid of the opposition. That the, the, uh, they should be totally nullified. The, the physical world should be nullified. And that's the idea of Tzivoy Hashem, where the, where, where the main thing is Yudke Vavke, and we're finding the word that, that there shouldn't be any existence, be, and the only real existence should be what? God and Godliness. And again, now we're going to go into we're bringing a new Rebbe. There was a new Rebbe into this Mimer. Again, we did the Balshemta, the Magid, the Alter, the Mittler, the we just did. And now we're going to bring in the Rebbe Marash. And the Rebbe Marash is going to explain this idea how we can do it on a spiritual level, on our spiritual work with Hashem. And he explains like this. These two ideas of Hashem Tzvokos or Tzivaz Hashem, because we're, we're dealing with the world or we're totally above it. So he says, this is the idea, which we, we learned many, many times in Tanya and other Hasidic discourse, the, di- the, the, the difference between Iskafia and Ischapcha. Why? What is the Avoida of Iskafia? The Avoida of Iskafia is, that means it's a physical world, and there is opposition, and you cannot combat it. Iskafia means, I see it, I'm holding myself back. That means it's something that you're trying to resist. It exists. 
You can transform it, but you try every time you resist, every time you practice a scoff, you practice resistance, you're creating, um, um, you're, you're elevating holy sparks that are in this world. Which basically, generally speaking, as we know, what's the avoid of a skafia, which the altar explains in Tanya? That's the avoid of the bainini. The bainini, every single day is a struggle. And as we know, it's, the bainini is called an oivid alakim. He is constantly and consistently serving Hashem. Oivid, present, every single moment he's serving Hashem. He's in the middle of his spiritual work. Because the animal soul didn't go away. But when you do your, your, your appropriate work, and what does that mean? You do your work. That every single you do, you, you do, you try to do for the sake of Hashem, whether it's eating, drinking, sleeping, whatever you're involved, business, it's all for the sake of Hashem. So when you do that, you're actually elevating holy sparks in the world, which is, like we said, when the king goes out to wage war to, to gain um, wealth and, and assets and so on and so forth, that's called transformation. So their Rosh is saying is the one avoid is the avoid of Iskafia. But then you have the avoid of Ishaq. Is where you totally transform the bad negativity into good. In other words, you totally obliterate and you nullify any existence of bad or evil. And that's the main success in the war. Like, for example, Skafia, we said, is the void of the Bainani. But the Ishabcha is the void of a Tzaddik. Why? Because a Tzaddik is not called an Oyvid Hashem right now. Oyvid Hashem means in the, in the, in the, in this, in, in, that he accomplished to be an Oyved Hashem. He's an Oyved Hashem because he's only busy with God and Godliness. He already did his spiritual work. He's not waging war. Because there's no negativity, there's no, there's nothing in opposition to God in his world. And the, um, like for example, we all know the difference between the, the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua, Joshua. So we all know, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu level in reference to Yeshua because it says that Yeshua's was like, his face was like the face of the moon. What's the idea of the moon? Because we know with the moon, there's constantly this changes. It's small, it's big, it's big, it's small. But it says, Moshe Rabbeinu was like the face of the sun. The sun is consistent, it's always shining. There's no changes. Why? Because you don't have to wage war. It's, you're on the level of Tzivas Hashem. It's all about Yudkei Vavkei. Not Hashem Tzvokes, which is the level of, of Yeshua. So in other words, like this. The beginning of the work is Iskafia. Like the famous verse, Nama Pum you have to battle with the physical world. And you have to elevate the sparks. But what's the ultimate Yavoida? The ultimate is Ishabcha, which that's ultimately the real success in the war. We're just dealing with godly God and godliness in the world. Now, so that's dealing with the world. But the Rebbe says, we all know, how do we draw down God and godliness into the world? The way we draw down God and godliness into the world is through Torah. Hashem gave us a Torah. And by learning Torah, we draw God and godliness into the world. And since we said there's two ways, one is dealing with the world as an opposition, and we practice Iskafia. And the other way is just bringing enlightenment to the world, Ishabcha. So you, you must say you have these two components in Torah itself. Which basically, generally speaking, that's the difference between the revealed part of Torah, Nigla, Mishnah, Talmud, etc. And then Psimiyas Torah, Chassidus, Kabbalah, mysticism, um, the teachings of the Rabbeim, Maimarim, and so on and so forth. Which in general, before we go into the difference between Nigla and Chassidus, that's in general, it's also the difference between learning Torah and praying. Why? Because when you pray, 
you're engaging with the animal soul. There's real war there. The godly soul wants to pray, cleave to God, and the animal soul wants to leave. Can't wait for the Kiddush club or when is shul over. Versus the godly soul just wants to cleave to Hashem. So it's a real war going on between the godly soul and the animal soul. On the other hand, when you learn Torah, it's peace because the light is so powerful that even the animal soul loves it. It loves it. Everyone loves learning Torah. Like we said, it says in, the, in Psalms, King David says, that I redeem my soul with peace. What kind of peace? By learning Torah. But by learning Torah, that's the greatest peace you can give to your soul because the animal soul loves it. It loves the light of Torah. Now, that is the difference between prayer and Torah. But in Torah itself, there's a difference we said between the revealed part of the Torah and, and the, the internal part of the Torah. Chassidus, why? Because when it comes to the revealed part of the Torah, for example, you ever learn Mishnah, you ever learn Talmud, there's questions and there's answers and there's uh, discussions and there's debates and there's commentaries. You're struggling, but it's a good struggle, but you're still struggling. You're struggling with God, but it's a struggle. On the other hand, when you learn Chassidus, you're engaging with the lights. We all know when we learn Chassidus, the light is on. It's a whole different level. There's no questions. There's no arguments. It's, that is the ultimate in having a true level of peace when you learn Chassidus. Now, we all love it. Now, the fact is, unfortunately, we're living in Gullis. So this, to have the ultimate revelation of, of, of the revealed part of Chassidus, we're going to ultimately have that when Mashiach comes. Because we know when Mashiach comes, it says that as Haruach Atuma Avimin Aretz, the spirit of impurity is going to be taken away from the world. There's not going to be any existence of anything opposite of God and godliness. And that is the ultimate Nitzachin. That is the ultimate winning the war. Winning the war is when all impurity leaves the world. In other words, even though today we have a lot of birurim, we have to do a lot of transformation. Every single day we deal with the world, we deal with struggles and so on and so forth. And the truth is, Rebbe says, there's not really much left to, to elevate. Rebbe calls it pachim ketanim, small vessels we have to elevate. But this is not really the goal. The goal is not to elevate the sparks. But the ultimate goal is when Mashiach comes, the ultimate success, the ultimate victory, that there's not going to be any negativity in the world. There's not going to be anything, any opposition to godliness. The only thing we're going to see and know is God and godliness. And this is going to happen specifically by learning Chassidus, which is going to be revealed through the King Messiah, as Jerba says. Because Nitzachoin, real success, we're all negativity, all klipot and all sitra akhra is going to be obliterated. That has to do with chassidus. Chassidus has the power just to bring in the light and not to have to deal with any negativity. Now, so the fact is like this. When is it really going to happen when Mashiach comes? But we know it says that the altar brings in Tanya all the revelations that we're going to have when Mashiach comes. We have to do the work today. We, our work makes it happen then. So therefore, because we have to create the future where it's only going to be God and godliness, that's what we have to learn Chassidus today because learning Chassidus today creates that spiritual experience which paves the way that we can have a full experience when Mashiach comes. And like the Rebbe brings, that it's known that the Baal Shem Tov, now he brings back the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov lived a life of Yiras Hashem. He was in awe of Hashem. Now, there's different levels of Yira. 
you can be in awe of Hashem because you're afraid God for Hashem is going to punish you. That's a very low level of Yira. It's a level, but it's a low level. Then there's a level of Yira, you're in awe, you're in awe you know, of Hashem. And then there's a higher level, you're just like, you're awe, you're like totally awe and one with Hashem. So the Hashem to live the life on the highest level of Yira Hashem, not God for He's afraid of punishment, afraid of doing something wrong, afraid of rebelling, or create a disconnection. He just was in awe of just being with Hashem. And now the Baal Shem Tov lived the level, the highest level of Yira on a level of Yira, the way it's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. And it was Yira, or the way it's now, the Mashiach comes, it's two different worlds. Now we're dealing with struggle, with darkness, we're afraid, concerned. Mashiach comes, Yira is going to be, wow, you're one with the light of Hashem. Baal Shem Tov lived that light, that light in this world. And, um, the Bible says that the, the spreading of Chassidus, which is the, reve- the, re- the revealing, the hidden part of the Torah, which is only great, and that's only not dealing with any challenges, which is uh, going to be at the level of Mashiach Khan. The Rebbe says that started when the Alter Rebbe started to reveal the Torah of Mashiach. Chassidus is the Torah of Mashiach. You learn Chassidus. You can taste what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. The Alter Rebbe started this process. <clears throat> so therefore the Rebbe says, since we are paving the way for what's going to come in the future by bringing in this powerful light. So therefore, we have to do our spiritual work. What kind of spiritual work? The spiritual work of Nitzachayin. To be successful in totally being, winning the war today. The, the war today of only dealing with God and godliness. Only bringing in the light. Now, even though today's avoid officially is elevating the Holy Sparks, because we know that Nitzachayin, only godliness, only the light is going to be when Mashiach comes. But again, as you mentioned before, since to create that in the future, we have to do the work today. So therefore, we therefore today we also have to do the avoid of Nitzachayin. We should only bring in the light. And Rebbe spells out what it says in um, <clears throat> it says in the Talmud. It says like this: that the world is going to exist for six thousand years. So the first 2,000 years is going to be toyu, chaos. And then there's going to be 2,000 years of Torah. And then there's going to be 2,000 years of Messianic days. Now, in the 2,000 years of Messianic days, and especially in the 6,000th year, we're in the 6,000th year, and especially at the end of the time, at the foothills of Mashiach, and he quotes the motto, Raglan Baraglan, the Zohar says, that in the lowest times, like we know, for example, on the head is on the top, you have the heart, and the feet have the lowest life. The times before Mashiach is called the Raglin, it's the lowest spiritual state. We had times we had the temple, the Talmud, the Mishnah, it's the lowest spiritual state. But our regal, the lowest spiritual state, is connected to the regal, the feet of Mashiach, which is standing on the Mount of Olives waiting to greet us. So we have to be busy not only with transforming holy sparks, but we have to be busy with. We have to be successful in winning the war. How do we do that? The best and most powerful way is by spreading the teachings of Chassidus, like we're doing here right now. We're learning Chassidus on YouTube, with the whole world is learning Chassidus. Through this Chassidic teaching and many other Chassidic teachings, this is the way we're making the world ready for Mashiach. And as the um, Rebbe brings from the famous teaching 
The famous teaching in the Talmud, the Talmud says like this, whoever goes out to the war of the house of David, if you want to go out to wage war in the house of David, you have to write a bill of the war, a divorce to your spouse. And now there it brings the Rebbe Rashab. Again, Balshanta, we did the Magid, the Altar Rebbe, the Middle Rebbe, the Samat Sadek, the Rosh, and now we're up to the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab in his famous teaching, in his famous talk, and he said like this that in order, you know, in order to use this. Um, a statement from the Talmud in reference to King David that if you wanted to be in King David's war you had to be willing um, to get, to uh, write a bill of divorce to your spouse so the, so the Rebbe Rashav said that in order to go ahead and wage war against those that are spiritually fighting the house of King David what you need to do is you have to disconnect from your wife what does that mean practically and he explains that with a with an introduction, what does it say? If you want to go out in the war of the house of David, what does it mean the house of David? The war of David. Why the house of David? So the Rebbe Rashab explains, and he says like this: There's a difference between David, David Hamelach, and Ben David, even though it's referring both to the same person. Because there's times that Mashiach, the Messiah, is called David. Like, for example, the famous verse in Ezekiel that says, you can look it up, chapter 37, verse 24, 25. What, is, what, is, uh, what, is it, what does the prophet say? Avdi David melech When referring to Mashiach, it says, my servant David. It doesn't say based David or ben David. My servant David will be the king on them forever. So you see, you see it's called David. But on the other hand, there are certain times he's called what? Ben David, the king of David. And the Rebbe explains, very simple, before David is revealed, before the Mashiach is revealed, it's called Ben David, the king of David. It's not David yet itself. But what happens afterwards, once he's revealed, then it's called David himself. So again, so David, David is when he's revealed. Before he's revealed, it's Ben David. So based on this, the Rebbe says, that's why it says, Milchemes based David, the war of the house of David. Why? And the Rebbe says, because on David HaMelech, on King David, there's no such thing as waging war. You can't wage war on King David. David is the Mashiach. David is the essence of the revelation of the power of Hashem. Based David, Ben David, there could be a war, but not on David himself. The war is on based David, which means before Mashiach is revealed, before the Rashiach is totally revealed in its fullest. And um, before he's revealed over there, 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 there could be a war. And what is the war against the house of King David on a spiritual level? And there are quotes from the Talmud that says, If you see generation after generation rebelling against Hashem, and like the, the like in that Hasidic, uh, Hasidic talk from the Rebbe Rashabi explains that what is the means two generations twice, and he explains like this: there are those that rebel against Hashem. What does that mean? That they're going against Hashem's Torah and Hashem's mitzvahs in general, which includes the coming of Mashiach. But then there are those. The first one is in general, all Torah mitzvahs, including Mashiach. But then there are those that rebel against the fact that Mashiach is coming. In other words, even though they're not against Hashem, 
and they're not against learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. They think it's a great idea. Should, we love Hashem and we'll learn Torah, do mitzvahs. But they learn Torah and mitzvahs like you go to college. It's an academia. It's a study. They do it cold. And we know the difference between learning cold, just as an academic, and heresy, and totally disconnecting from Hashem, it's a fine line. And what they do is, unfortunately, they bring in a coldness into all areas of Torah and mitzvahs. And especially, and unfortunately, in the faith of Mashiach coming. Now, the fact is, how do you combat that? We have to go out, we have to go out, and we have to fight the ones that are going against Hashem, and getting those against, either totally against Hashem, or they believe in Hashem and tournaments, but they don't believe in Mashiach. And Jerva says, clearly, how do you fight that? But as the, as the Talmud says, you have to write a bill of divorce, which means, what does it mean, your wife? What does it mean spiritually? It means you have to write a bill of divorce about anything in this world. Spiritually, I mean, physically, and on any type of materialistic level. In other words, even though, for example, according to Torah, you're allowed to do it, and as you see, the Rebbe says, it says, Kaisif get liishta, your wife. You're allowed to be married to your wife. So what does it mean? What, so you, you mean you married her according to, according to the laws of Torah, Moshe, etc. But however, when you go out to fight the war of King David, there's no calculations. And you have to be willing to do, risk everything and anything. And as the, as we, the Rebbe explained before, what does it mean you're going out to wage war? You're willing to give up and sacrifice all the treasures. And as long as you're not willing to sacrifice any tre- a certain treasure, and you're, you're making all these calculations, and this is permissible according to Torah, and you don't want to totally give it up, or you say this is not that important that it's worthwhile to wage a war, like he gave the example from a katan, a small person that makes different calculations, these are calculations that you're making with your intellect. And even it could be you're using intellect, holy intellect. But that is not the ultimate in serving Hashem. And this is not the way we're going to win the war. And reveal what? David. King David. Mashiach. You want to reveal Mashiach? You want to reveal David? You have to be willing to give anything and everything up. Just Hashem should be revealed. And in order that Hashem should be revealed, David, Mashiach should be revealed. In other words, we should have the revelation of King David himself. The only way it's going to happen is when you go out to war in a way of Nitzachin, where it's the essence of your soul. What does that mean practically, as Derba says? That even something small is important to you. Like we explained before, the difference between a, 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 a big person and a small person engages in war. Because a small person, this thing, it's, 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 I'll wage war, and this thing I won't. But a big person, which does real Nitzachin, real, he's going to win, even on a small thing, if you're a position, he's going to obliterate you. He, and he will give everything up. Even the greatest treasures that he has. And he's even willing to risk his life to be successful and to obliterate the opposition. And that is the idea of writing a bill of divorce. That you have to be willing to risk anything and everything and not to think about yourself and throw yourself in the war of base David, that David, King Mashiach, should be revealed. Now, obviously, it's a tremendous sacrifice, but we're willing to do that. Why? Because we want David to be revealed. And here, the Rebbe says something very powerful. 
when a person does his part, that there's nothing that's going to get in the way, he's going to do everything or anything he can, that Mashiach should be revealed. And Hashem is going to be revealed. And he's going to learn Chassidus, teach Chassidus, connect to the infinite Hashem, not engage in any opposition. What happens then is, you get drawn down from heaven. You ready for this? You think you release some big treasures so that, that Mashiach should be revealed, that you're going to teach Chassidus. But guess what? When you do your part, Hashem goes ahead and totally opens up every single treasure that he has for anyone that fights the war of King David. In other words, when we do our war of King David by revealing Mashiach in this world, and as the expression is, somebody says in the tractate Talmud, in, in, in Shabbat, um, page 104, you can look it up, side one. Someone that wants to be purified, Hashem will help you. And when you just purify yourself a drop down in this world, from heaven they give you blessings, infinite blessings. It's also mentioned in Tractate Yuma, on, in, in, the, in the end of the third chapter. And, but on the other hand, the help that Hashem gives you, we know what's the, what's, the, what's the help that Hashem gives you? What's the treasure that Hashem gives you? He gives you the treasure, the greatest treasure, the treasure of Yira Shemayim, to be in awe of Hashem, to have a tremendous, awesome relationship with Hashem. Now, once it's about, once you have the gift of Yira Shemayim, which means, I just want to do what's right for Hashem, then there's no difference between something which is huge, between something is, which is easy, up until things which you're allowed to do, you're sacrificing it for Hashem. Why? Because you receive the gift that you're Hashemayim, that you're in awe of Hashem, and you know that this is not what Hashem wants you to do, so anything Hashem doesn't want me to do, I'm not going to do it. And anything Hashem wants me to do, I'll do it. And besides, Rabbi said, besides the tremendous treasures of Yerushalayim that Hashem gives you, Hashem also makes everything available and opened. And Hashem is willing to sacrifice Hashem's life. And as we know, it says, Galu When we go into Galus, guess what? Hashem goes with us into Galus as well. And that's what, that's what it means. Hashem is sacrificing His life. Hashem goes in Gullus with us. Why does Hashem go with us into Gullus? Because He wants to be successful in the war. Not to transform and elevate the Holy Sparks. But He wants to win the war. And because He wants to win the war, He's willing to reveal and give up any treasures. is opened. And there it brings the verse where it says, Tzitkas perzoyne Yisrael, Which says in the Prophets, and the Chazal teach us what does it mean, Sitkas Prezernibi Yisrael, Hashem does righteous by spreading the Jewish people all over the world, that the, the, the spiritual work is in a way of, um, a way of Pizroinoi. Like in, the, the Rebbe quotes from the Talmud that says, Hashem did a tremendous service for us. He did a tremendous chesed for us that He spread us all over the world. Why? Because when we, we're all over the world, we can do our holy work and we can actually bring in converts to Hashem, which is elevating the sparks that are in Gaulus that have to be elevated. But what's the ultimate of our spiritual work of 
Pizroinoi is Prozois Teshed Yerushalayim, that we're not going to need any war. We're not going to need to do any Yiskafia, or on a practical level, like we mentioned before, we're going to do the avoid of Ishapcha, totally connecting like a tzaddik to the godly light in the world. And um, the, 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 the Rebbe quotes from the previous Rebbe, and he says, and he finishes off like this. This is what we say that the Jewish people, as we start with the Hasidic discourse, the Jewish people are called Tzivois Hashem. What does it mean, Tzivois Hashem? That we are soldiers. What do soldiers do? We do the will of Hashem. What's the will of Hashem? To obliterate any, any opposition to Hashem. And when we do that, Hashem opens to us tremendous treasures so that we can be successful in our war. And <clears throat> the end of the pa- the end of the end of the of the chapter eleven uh, finishes off just like it starts in the beginning of the chapter. In other words, in the beginning of the chapter says that we are tzivus Hashem, which means we are soldiers, and that's our main avodah. When we do our avodah as soldiers, then Hashem opens up the treasures for the soldiers, and also. Like we explained that this Tzava has different insights. One is Zman. What, what, what does Zman mean? Time. And also from his Skalus, Sivyoin, where it's, where it's unified. So as we, as, we, as we explained in the beginning of the discourse, that the avoid of time, that's, that we have to do avoid the in time. The main avoid is to be the soldier. But we have to do the avoid the in time in the physical world. And we have to be all unified. But the most important avoid, the most important spiritual work is we have to be soldiers. Which is, to recap, and this is important, we're going to bring it back full circle. What is the job of a soldier? The job of a soldier is Kabbalah soil, to accept. A soldier is someone that accepts and does it in a way of Nitzachin, which means I'm accepting to do what? What Hashem's will, and I'm going to fight with Nitzachin all the way. And anything, what I need to do, small, big, it doesn't make a difference. We're going to accept anything and everything so that Hashem is revealed in the world. And the same thing also, that causes to be drawn down from, from on high, from Hashem, that when we do our voidah and we disconnect from the world, and we're willing to do anything for Hashem, so as Rebbe quotes from the... Um, it says, Dal Know that everything which says in the ethics of our fathers, everything that 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 the, um, comes from above, above comes from us. Which means that anything that we, any spiritual blessings we get, is because we do our part, which has to do with our avodah. And when we do our avodah, we do our spiritual work. Then Hashem opens up the tremendous tre- treasures from from above, and b- gives us the greatest revelations, the greatest gifts which is the gifts of Chassidus, which is going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. And as the verse says, Yishakeinu minashikas piu, Shem is going to give us a huge embrace and a huge hug and a huge kiss. And the, what, what, is that referring to, what is that referring to practically and spiritually? It's referring to the insights of the Torah that's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. And, um, and just like the Avodah, the spiritual work is, the work of a soldier... But nevertheless, which means we have to be willing to do Kabbalah soil, accept everything, and do it in a way that we're willing to not to give up on anything. But nevertheless, the condition is we have to do it in a way of 
uh, the other insight of, of tzava, of time, it has to be done in this physical world, in, this, in a set time, in a set place. And the same thing also, the revelation, the greatest revelations are going to come down. The ultimate goal is that the revelations we should have, not... I shouldn't give us a great blessing, but we don't see them down here. But the blessings should come down in time and in space, literally down this physical in the physical world. <clears throat> and the greatest gift is that our physical bodies will feel God and godliness. As the verse says, V'nigla k'voyid Hashem. Hashem will reveal Himself. V'roh kolbosser. Every single flesh, every single physical human being will see and feel godliness. So as you can tell, this is a very, very little long Hasidic discourse, but a very powerful Hasidic discourse. Um, the Rebbe lays out here a very, very powerful description of our spiritual work. And it's important to know our spiritual work. We have to know that we're soldiers. We have to be willing to accept. We have to be willing to accept and do whatever it takes to make sure that God is revealed in this world. And as the Rebbe says clearly, we do our work. Hashem will help us. Hashem will give us tremendous blessings. The greatest blessings that we'll feel and we connect to Hashem in the, in the biggest ways. Hashem will give us blessings that we're going to feel and see down in this physical world. And let's hope and pray that um, our next class will be together with the Rebbe in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Thanks so much for joining us for our very special class on Basi Lagani. Have a great and blessed week.